Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Hello, I'm Jan Engmeyer. This installment of the Temple Forum features a conversation with Lester Munson, You might know his work as a sports journalist in magazines, online, or on TV as a commentator for the sports writers in Chicago Tonight. He's outspoken on the money in college athletics and the less than stellar outcomes on academics for many of those athletes. While he's known for his knowledge of the law, ethics, and sports, he also has a great sense of humor and an abiding faith in the good of people. Welcome to the Temple Forum, Lester Munson. We're so glad to talk to you. Well, thank you. I feel honored to be a part of this, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, many people listening may know your work from Sports Illustrated and ESPN.com. At one time, you were also an attorney in the Chicago area. How did you jump from the law to sports journalism? Well, I was very fortunate, Jan, to be able to do that. I was increasingly unhappy in the law practice. I was involved in litigation, primarily uh, personal injury litigation. I was in court every day. Uh, I was never really happy with that work. I had been pretty well pushed into it by my father, who was a successful lawyer, who loved every minute of the law practice and could not imagine that anybody would not love it the way he did. And as I began to realize how unhappy I was, uh, two college friends of mine announced that they were starting an all sports newspaper. Uh, We had worked on a college newspaper for four years together. Uh, At one point during our college days, I was actually their boss and we had remained in touch. And when I found out they were starting the newspaper, I volunteered my services. We were all good friends and they agreed to hire me as a writer uh, for the paper, specializing in legal issues and investigation uh, in the world of sports. So had those guys not started that paper, I'm not sure what would have happened, but it it was a joy for me to get out of the law practice and into something I had loved. I had worked as a journalist earlier. The only big adjustment was that my late wife, Judy, had to become accustomed to having a happy man around the house. It was new. <laughs> but I, I, it was very fortunate that I was able to do this. It was uh, a turning point in my life. That's great. So what are your top three sports stories that you covered? And why? Uh, I, that is a really good question. Um, I, I would say the top three stories were a story I did about a guy named Tommy Burns who went around killing horses in the world of equestrian sports. These are the competitions that we see in the Olympics. Uh, and his job was when the equestrian rider began to have doubts about the horse, he had a way of killing the horse. They would collect 
the life insurance on the horse and buy a new horse. And these are horses that were selling for between $500,000 and a million dollars. And they wow. had enormous policies of insurance. And we, I was at Sports Illustrated at the time. We received a tip about this guy and I spent a lot of time uh, digging around on it. Uh, there was a period of a couple of months when I was ahead of the FBI agents who were looking into this. Uh, and it was just an amazing, it, it was a very dark story, but working on it was fascinating to me. I knew nothing about the equestrian world. Uh, there was resistance all along the way, but I kept working and we did the story. It was early in my time at Sports Illustrated and I got a couple of awards for it. So it was, it was, it was a wonderful investigation. I had great satisfaction that I did a good job on it and I got the awards. The, the, uh, incredibly, at one of the awards dinners, uh, Judy and I found ourselves sitting at the same table as Arthur Miller, the playwright. He was getting an award from the same organization. So that, that that's the kind of thing that you just never expect to have happen to you. How great is that? Wow. <laughs> How about other stories? A couple uh, other stories. There are two others uh, that I, I was really happy with. I worked on a major piece, 3,000 words, on domestic violence among professional athletes. This was a subject that sports media had never touched. And we at Sports Illustrated decided it was time that we reported on these things that had typically been ignored. Uh, it seemed like there were more and more of these incidents. And uh, we worked on that. And the, we had a number of episodes of domestic violence. We led the story with one about a quarterback, Warren Moon, one of the great quarterbacks in the National Football League. He had beaten up his wife. The children had called the police. Um, and it was, it was really a precedent-breaking article in that from, this, from that point forward, all sports media now does, do not hesitate to report on those incidents. You, you see one in the newspaper or on television just about once a week. So it was a very satisfying uh, project to be involved in. We had four reporters and a photographer working on it. Sports Illustrated put a lot of money into it and it was really a satisfying uh, project. The other one I would mention was a similar project in which we looked at paternity cases among elite athletes this was very difficult for the reporting because most paternity cases are impounded in the courthouse. You cannot get at the records, but gradually over time, uh, we put together an article that again, won a couple of awards. Um, we, the, the star attraction in that article was a basketball player by the name of Sean Kemp who had seven children with six different women and was not paying child support for any of them. Oh dear. And on that one, 
the the uh, Oprah latched on to the story and she did a couple of shows about it. And uh, so I was on the set with Oprah for one day and an amazing experience that I, uh, that I cherish. Oh, that would be fun. Uh, even though the story was not really fun. No. So you do, you do more than sports. Uh, you are also very connected to the Czech community in the Chicago area. How did that happen? <laughs> that, that was something uh, that we never expected. Uh, our younger son, Max, was an English major at Arizona State University. Naturally, he moved to Prague in the Czech Republic and opened restaurants. You can see how that was inevitable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> he, he became a genuine expat. He became fluent in the Czech language. And when we realized that this was a permanent part of our life, we decided we better find out something about uh, the Czech community here in Chicago. Judy really was the lead on this. She worked our way into all sorts of organizations. Uh, including a lawyers group, the so-called Bohemian Lawyers Association, which is a wonderful group of characters. And we became very active uh, in these things. And then uh, the Judy produced uh, at the church, the Reba Christmas Mass. It was a magnificent musical production. She filled the church three times uh, with that music, Eric Nussbaum, did a fantastic job putting together a choir and an orchestra. And that was probably the single largest event in the Czech community in Chicago since the heroic Václav Havel visited Chicago on Navy Pier many years earlier. But it was, it's been a, a great source of uh, satisfaction and joy for us over the years. I, I'm still involved to some extent our son is still in Prague. I will be going there to see him next month. Um, and it was just a very unexpected development in our life. Well, at least he uh, chose a spectacular place for you to go visit. It's an yeah, amazing it's city. Perfect. It's a beautiful city. I love being there. The, the only thing is the language. I've probably been in Prague 25 times and I can't even do the numbers. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> impenetrable language for me, but luckily, <laughs> Uh, I have a son, a daughter-in-law, two grandchildren who are all bilingual and can take me around and do all the stuff we need to do. That's great. So you recently stepped off the board of the Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation after serving for 11 years. How did you get involved in that organization? Well, I'm, I am a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for 38 years. At one point, when we moved downtown from the suburbs, uh, I started going to AA meetings at a Hazelden uh, facility that was on Superior Street. Uh, I gradually worked my way, some, you know, by a series of coincidences. We had a local board for Hazelden here in Chicago. And then somehow I was invited to the national board. And about the same time, we merged with Betty Ford. So. Uh, it was my joy and privilege to serve at, on that board for 11 years. It, it's a wonderful organization. We are a force of healing and hope for people suffering from addiction and alcoholism. 
We have 17 campuses across the United States um, and we are doing some great things. At the moment, the opioid crisis is the prime focus of our work, but we are still taking care of a lot of addicts uh, and alcoholics. And I, it was a real privilege for me to be a part of all that work. That's great. Um, you have also been a faithful member of the First United Methodist Church at the Chicago Temple for many, many years. Now, a lot of journalists are not really churchgoers. Um, what attracted you to this faith community and what keeps you coming back every Sunday? Well, when our, when our sons, uh, when the, the younger son went away to Arizona State, as I mentioned, um, we thought it was time for us to move downtown uh, into the city, leave the suburbs behind. Uh, we found a house uh, on the river on Canal Street. And after we had moved in, after a few months, we realized that we had to find a church. We had been going to a, an evangelical church in Oak Brook. And so we, we, uh, we looked around and we made a list of churches that we would visit to see where we might want to land. And we visited Chicago Temple first, and then we never visited any of the other churches. <laughs> um, Eugene Winkler was the senior pastor at the time. Uh, he was a wonderful, uh, incredible character. As you know, Jan, he, he, he took us right in and we've been going ever since. And, and uh, you know, under Gene, under Phil Blackwell, Myron McCoy, we've had fantastic uh, ministers over the years. And I think the music program is probably the best of any church in Chicago. Eric Nussbaum and Phil Kleckner do amazing work. And I look forward to it every Sunday. The, the, uh, the preaching, the people, the music, I, I will keep coming back as long as I can. That's great. That's great. Well, you are a man of many talents um, and lots of interests. So is there anything else that you'd like to add that... Uh, you'd like to share with us? Well, I, I would say um, one thing, I am a uh, obsessive Chicago Cubs fan. I'm that, sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I, I, uh, I managed to handle alcoholism, but there's nothing I can do about my obsession <laughs> with the Cubs. The, the, I, I follow them every day. Um, when I was working at Sports Illustrated and ESPN, I would tell them right away that I could not possibly be objective about the Cubs. And so they kept me away uh, from those assignments. And, um, but otherwise, uh, I have four grandchildren now. They are a joy of my life. They are ages 17 to 22. Uh, one of them is a student at the University of Chicago. Uh, she is having a great experience there, and it's just a great thing for me to have her here in town so that I can get together with her on a regular basis. The, but th that's what I would add to what we've covered already. Well, that is great. Well, thank you very much, Lester Munson, for sharing some of your life story with us. I'm Jan Engmeyer. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum. 
You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.